Hello and welcome to UX Consulting Academy. My name is JJ and this is UX Consulting Podcast, episode one with Jamie Levy. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, JJ? I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty okay at the moment. Um, I'm really excited to have you here and this is this is great because we spoke a while ago about doing this but now we're finally doing it and you have this incredible book ux strategy it's something i recommend to everybody i talk to and it was one of the first books that i read um years ago to really start getting into ux strategy can't wait to hear more about your new book i hear that it's coming out soon so tell me more about it um yeah i'm in the midst of writing it um i'm having a lot of fun this time around um so the goal of the new book was uh, to um, expand and fine tune the techniques that I teach uh, in the first edition. So while the structures remain very much the same, which was which is theory and then how to on the techniques, um, the case studies needed to be updated um, for my goal of appealing to my more to my worldwide audience. Um, a lot of the readers are outside the United States, especially in Europe and um, in the UK, obviously. And the I wanted to have uh, interviews or include people that were in uh, that were over here because UX is at different stages at different parts of the world. Um, and me, you know, broadcasting it from California, which is, you know, kind of an epicenter for tech, um, just didn't seem, uh, you know, like it was really thinking in a worldwide sense. And another thing was I wrote it, you know, during the craze of the lean startup, which um, has since, you know, come back to reality a little bit. And there's a lot of people who are coming to UX who don't even really know what it's all about and, um, and are confused by all the things, all the methodologies that are conflicting and abstract, you know, like design thinking and, and you know, what's the difference between design sprints and all this other stuff. So I wanted to uh, steer clear of a lot of that stuff and, and really focus more on techniques that can be that were very practical that you could do regardless of being at an enterprise or agency or startup. So that's the high level um, change that's happening. Amazing. Sounds really great. I can't wait to read it. Um, I'm just thinking for people out there that may be listening that aren't familiar with your work, perhaps you give us some background on how you got started and, and, and what you do. Um, let's see. The short answer, I guess, is that uh, I, you know, I went to school in the college in the 80s um, and to study film and video and got pretty excited by the possibilities of new tech coming out um, for, let's just say, video editing. So then I learned about other forms of uh, multimedia art and decided to get a master's degree at NYU in this weird thing called interactive telecommunications. And it was there I had access to professors and to 
um, really great uh, and just computers that I couldn't afford, let's say, and people uh, who are really pushing the boundaries. And uh, that was when I created my floppy disk magazine, the first one. And then so I was the floppy disk girl for several years and famous for that, you know, jamming and on. Uh, this is before the web, BW. Um, and I, uh, you know, was able to basically um, experiment with, you know, making a new form of media with that was about not just tech but pop culture and and so I did that and so I and then when the when the first browser was invented I was already well positioned um, and already uh, ready to start basically taking what I was already doing but putting it on the web and that was when I did word.com and then I did a lot of, uh, you know, borderline art slash pop culture slash pushing the boundaries with tech projects during that phase when they were throwing money at anybody. And I was in my 20s. And then, of course, uh, you know, the party had to end at some point. And so when the bubble burst in 2000 uh, and then not followed by 9-11, I had to uh, rethink my life, really, and moved. I moved back to Los Angeles finally where I grew up you know and got married and had a kid and got more serious about life and that was when it seemed the one career to do uh, where I could use both sides of the brain and most of my skills was um, doing UX design uh, quickly got bored of that because um, you know it's like interface design I'd already done it 15 years and fortunately got put on a project where I got to do the discovery phase. And then, um, sorry, boyfriends. Um, <laughs> and then uh, from then I got a taste of UX strategy and was like, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life, which is just focus on product strategy um, and uh, so I did that for, for a while. And then when the lean startup craze happened, I started working with startups and, you know, it's, it's interesting how a career evolves with not just technology, but with trends and opportunities. And, you know, and um, the whole time I was doing this, I was always teaching because they hired uh, basically all the graduate students who finished at NYU to teach the courses because everything was moving so fast. So by the time I was 25, I was teaching graduate level courses at NYU and I never stopped. And that's a really big part of my career because it keeps you grounded um, and very current to be constantly teaching um, an, um, an evolving practice to people interested in whatever it's called at the moment. And, um, and I love it. It also gives me access to uh, affordable and passionate talent and so that's always been a big thing with me is hiring my students and then working with them. And that's what happened with the book is one of my students said, hey, you should write a book because there's no class book. And you're constantly trying to hands, you know, tell us how to do UX strategy and their new resources. And so the book evolved and O'Reilly was keen to publish it. And then it shockingly became a bestseller and I started getting asked to speak around the world and that happened. It's really quite amazing. <laughs> I have to say, uh, 
but yeah, I, I love UX strategy or the concept of project strategy, business model testing a lot. And uh, I love also, um, you know, then I since delved into digital transformation and that's going to be in the new book. And, uh, you know, we're just, a, an, a, it's going to be exciting, I think, for a while. And, and it just, I'm still very much uh, passionate about this stuff. Amazing. It's great that it started that way with your students saying, hey, this should be in a book. And then, you know, it kind of organically happening. Um, that's such a cool way for it to, for it to happen. Um, so that's great. Okay, so what is the, what would the, um, you mentioned digital transformation. So how, how does that work? Like, what is that? So digital transformation is much higher level of UX strategy because now we're really talking about a business, purely business strategy and that a business, whether it be a brick and mortar business or an online business needs to transform. Uh, when the shit hits the fan in the case of uh, companies, restaurants who are all of a sudden needing to change their business model to serving inside the restaurant to curbside that evolved, um, quickly and they had to pivot, right? And they needed to transform the way they did business. And that included the resources, the, the channels of how they reach the customer. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so it touches basically the relationships of, of, of how people work together, the technologies that are used. Um, and let me try to think. I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> There's three things anyway, but so companies need to go into a, need to often transform to, or they will die. And when it, when we're talking really at an enterprise level, which is where it's these opportunities lie, because if we're talking about startups and they're already, they don't need to transform. They're trying to, form they're trying to figure out what their business is and, and find product market fit but like let's say one of the companies in my book is volkswagen well volkswagen went through that uh debacle you know because of uh you know what they were charged for for fudging the numbers on uh what people i think it was a mileage uh they were getting and um they got a bad reputation for their brand. It tarnished their, and they're a massive company. And so uh, the good thing that came out of it was that they were like, we're gonna go full on into um, electronic, uh, electric vehicles and mobility. And so they fit well in my book because it's themed around mobility. And, and I got to interview them and, and continuing to talk to them and learn about their innovative experiments that, um, go beyond just uh you know their products and services that are online um you know to the way that they basically manufacture cars in in Volksburg. <laughs> um you know netflix had a digital transformation twice now um right they went from sending dvds in the mail to it being online streaming to now being a production company imagine the types of people that would work for them so that's, you know, uh, that's the big idea with digital transformation is it has to, uh, you know, come from the, the top down, you know, the positions around it are typically CXO who does this job 
um, and they hire consultants like me sometimes to advise them. And it, it's not something that happens overnight. These are long-term, uh, long-term projects to get the company to change. So they're, it's something I'm interested in. I haven't uh, done that much. I haven't gotten that many jobs doing it, but I expect to see more of those opportunities. They're definitely grown-up jobs. They're not for the the kids that just take a general assembly class and, you know, are moving boxes around, you know, sure. it's pretty complicated and you're dealing with stakeholders and, and they're stressed out and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that when you get into that part of it, the stakeholder management, that's when things really uh, start to get more complicated, especially in that context of soft skills and being able to deal with people that, um, maybe in a really senior position, but at the same time, just need to be, uh, need to feel like they're being listened to and, and ju- just the, uh, the things like that that kind of come into play. When, so you mentioned the consulting with UX. Um, how did you start doing the, that work as a UX strategist and consulting? You mean when I like left the agency world to mm. basically start what was probably the first UX strategy focused company? Yeah. Um, well, I, to leave huge, which is, and still is to me, which was, and still is one of the best agencies in the States, uh, for doing, uh, user research, uh, strategy, uh, and product design, um, was a big decision obviously, but I, the way I looked at it is why be paid 120,000 a year, um, to manage teams. Uh, when I could just charge a hundred or a hundred and fifty an hour and hire uh, students that I train uh, that work for me that I can margin on and not leave my house, you know, I was totally into remote working long before it became trendy because of mass hysteria and and and, and uh, COVID. So I also had a, a son at home and I wanted to be there when he got home at five. So it was a lifestyle choice and I didn't leave huge until I had a contract that was for six months to do UX strategy for a healthcare company. And so once I had that, then I hired someone to build a website. And then honestly, I've never really looked for a job. Uh, I didn't really do any outbound um, marketing or anything. It was always because in California, there's there's a lot of opportunity, so I could just talk to maybe I, I knew a couple of recruiters who who were high level and specialized enough, and let them know that I was focused on this. Um, but basically, I just took a, a few jobs, um, and they would typically last a year or two, and they would be remote, and they would pay really well, and I could work from home, and and that was pretty much how it started. And I never really desired to have another agency again like I did during the 90s where I had people on payroll and all this you know in an office and you know and all this crap it's just I that overhead is just not necessary and you know I don't one can aspire to have a ton of money but one can also be happy with what they have and and choose a good life you know absolutely yeah I think that that shift is such I, I think that once you've done that 
to even consider going back to agency work or some kind of permanent job. It just doesn't even enter your uh, frame of reference anymore. It's so much better to have that, that freedom of controlling your own time, controlling your own work, having clients just a million times better. Yeah, and especially showing, you know, living where you want in the world, you know, it's, I think after touring and spending so much time in Europe and in the UK, I was just like, I can't stand, I can't stand the United States. I, I think, and when Trump got elected, you know, it was just like, this is a nightmare. I don't want to participate in this. And getting to live, so I lived a summer in, in, in London and I was, uh, I, I think I was just remote teaching at that time. So that was no big deal. But then the last two summers, including this one where I had to sneak back into Germany, which is a whole nother story, um, how I got in. Uh, but uh, I lied. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I, I just, it's so easy to work on, you know, projects in, in the United States from wherever and, uh, and get to live a, a really high quality life um, in Europe. And I wanna move here permanently in a few years. So I'm here now learning German while writing the book, which is insane, but it's, it's, it's really fun. Sounds great. So I'm just thinking for the, perhaps the, um, the younger designers out there, or perhaps the, the consultants or UX people that are early on in their career. It'd be great to just hear from you. What would be a kind of standard strategy for doing UX strategy? Um, the strat I mean, that's so hard to answer because not everybody is cut out for it. Um, I think if you're asking how do you transition from being, let's say, a senior level UX designer, someone with at least five years experience to a UX strategist, um, I can answer that, but if you're asking how to skip that and just say, I'm a UX strategist right out the gate, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find that laughable, um, because, you know, like, like other things it takes, you know, UX strategy is the intersection of business strategy and, and product design. So you need to understand both and how can one understand both? you know, unless they started when they were 10. And even so they couldn't have really done it because they couldn't have been working inside an enterprise to understand office politics and consensus building. So I think you need, you know, if you're coming from it from the design perspective and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good at product design, but I want to have a, a seat at the strategy table. I want to have, um, you know, have control of my destiny and, and have a say in the product. Um, then it's really, First of all, learning um, to talk the talk and understand all the terms around business strategy. And that's why I break them down in my book, um, you know, and, and talk about all the books that I had to read to give myself a mini MBA. Um, I don't think you need to get an MBA. I interview people in my first book, uh, one who actually had one and one and the rest who didn't, who said no. Um, you know, it's best to, to learn on your own. And I, I believe it's important to read a lot of business books so that you can know the difference between a value proposition and a business model and revenue streams and marketing and know that language 
um, and be able to express how the product is not only going to be, you can't just say, oh, it's going to get tens of users, you know, the ROI of UX design because it's an amazing, innovative design. No, um, <laughs> you need to also understand who are the customers that are going to use it and how much are they, are they going to pay for it so the business can sustain itself, you know, and not just be psyched by your own design uh, prowess. Um, so I teach a lot of techniques that people can employ while they're UX designers or any other position for that matter, developers, researchers, uh, uh, entrepreneurs to test uh, business ideas, um, you know, from the, you know, from customer discovery, doing interviews to doing prototype, rapid prototyping and testing it to um, doing landing pages and testing it, but really uh, you know, constantly figuring out how to de-risk it. And then for people who are wanting interested in UX strategy from the business side, those people are, are in two buckets. One is the product owners at enterprises. A product owner, that position sort of evolved from product managers. And it's different in that it's someone who's not just managing the project, but responsible for that. The product's going to be done on time, but also it's going to be, have a have a market you know be successful in the marketplace and so product owners they're very similar to ux strategists they're just a little bit leaning more on the business side and uh so they're very interested in it because they're working with the ux team and they need to you know make ensure that the the, the team is is cognizant of what is going to make the product what's going to make a successful product so mm. both of those, you know, you know, and so they need to learn more about UX design and, and the, and that's it really is, is getting strong with both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To jump straight into doing strategy before really understanding what business is about and then the products, things like that. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to get that experience first for people that are listening out there. So if you were to, let's say, go back in time and give the more junior version of yourself when you became a consultant, any kind of advice that you've developed over the course of your career, what would you go back and tell yourself? Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't think I'm a normal person. You know, because when I started out, there was less than 10 interface designers in the world. Um, so the comp competing for jobs and evolving your career, it was, we were all making it up as we went along. Mm. And uh, you just had to be a go-getter and really love it to be in it to win it. Um, I think now... UX has become quite commodified. And so it's about really being good and knowing how to, to network. And so I feel like you mentioned before, the soft skills, emotional intelligence um, is something that uh, many people in all fields are short on. And if you're gonna be this type of person that hides behind the computer and doesn't collaborate well, doesn't work with stakeholders well, doesn't know how to communicate in a way that doesn't sound like uh, you're being condescending, um, then you're not going to be successful uh, 
selling a product of selling your product strategy ideas because ultimately you're selling yourself. So I think that's an important thing for people is <clears throat> to really work on their self. And I wish that would be what I told myself when I was running a dot com company back in New York in the nineties. And it was hard for me to be grounded and uh, with, you know, I, I, at one point, everyone who worked for me left because part, in part for sure that I was a jerk um, and full of myself, you know, cause I had all this money all of a sudden and I was so young and I was famous and um, you know uh, I didn't understand business at all. And, and so, you know, I, I, it's like, I, I did a lecture joke, a guest lecture, how to, how to blow a half a million dollars um, in a year and have nothing to show for it, but a, a cartoon, a flash cartoon. Um, but then I learned to reinvent the business and to be obviously humbled. And, you know, I, I think that would be, you know, there were several times in my early career where I just felt like my head was too big and uh, I would probably go back and tell her to clean up her act and to be a little bit more aware of the people around her and that it's not all about her. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think that it's often those things that we do, uh, the, the mistakes we make in life where we learn the most. So yeah, I think that those things that we uh, can think back to is, oh, yeah, I, I did this, but I but I learned all this um, can be quite interesting. So, okay, great. Well, that kind of is all of my questions, really. Uh, I'd love to um, maybe hear a little bit more about, about the book. So you mentioned that it's about digital transformation and um, uh, what is the, the process in, let's just a general question really, but how do you go about writing and I suppose in a way designing a book? How does that work? Oh, that's such a long question and probably so different for, for everybody. You know, the way I did it is I had to use a lot of shortcuts that a lot of people wouldn't maybe have. Um, I'm not a real author. I barely read books. Um, you know, honestly, like it's hard for me to focus on reading books. They're full of words and they're boring and they're so <laughs> most of them. I mean, I'm reading this one, you know, it's like uh, ah. all kinds of errors, uh, things that they take, they, they took credit for that they didn't do. And I can now really look at a lot of pop business books and say, oh, my God, uh, you know, how important it is to really know what you're talking about and to cite the references so that people understand where your thinking came from so that you're building on what's out there and taking it to the next level and putting so the, the nice LinkedIn praise I love to get from people is like, you, you know, your book blew my mind because all of a sudden all these things I knew I could put them together and it all made sense. And that for me was a big thing. And for me to do that, I took two years to write the book. The first year was just the second chapter on the theory. And then the second year was the other 11 chapters because it was so hard to come up with a framework and the theory of what you're going to do because you really need to own it. Otherwise, what's the point of a stupid book? There are way too many books out there. Most people don't know how to write, including me which is why I hired my student who had a master's in writing and was an incredible editor and made it sound polished, not like one of my insane emails full of profanity. 
but we preserved my voice. And another thing that was important as a fan of Malcolm Gladwell um, and Spalding Gray, which was the storytelling. And uh, that to keep people interested in something as boring as business strategy, um, or really many other subjects, they need a narrative. They need, they need something to grab onto that isn't abstract. And you see so many books where people are just like, you do this and then you do this and you do this. And, and that's not how you teach people. You need to give them a story like I'm going to do this with you, you know, and here's let's use my students homework assignment or here a project that I worked on that, you know, that, I, you know, I didn't sign an NDA. So I'm going to expose everything to you. And when they have that, then they can do it along. Um, and I think so because I had all these at that point, at least 20 years as a professor and I could give chapters out and as I'm doing now with my classes and seeing the homework that comes back and say, ah, they didn't really understand the difference between a hypothesis and an assumption. I'm going to explain that better and maybe uh, put this sentence in here. And so um, there's a lot going on for a first book. It's hard because you need to figure out the structure. It's overwhelming and you need to break it down as if you're, uh, like building a house and instead say for me it was uh, every day I'm forcing myself to the library from two to five and I'm gonna I cannot leave until I at least write these five paragraphs here and then you do that for five days a week for a year eventually you get a lot of stuff and you keep sending the chapters as they go to the editor and she taught me how to write and then you start learning it's like learning a language and you also become a master of whatever you're writing about because you're constantly like, oh my God, am I, is this true? Let me look it up, you know, cause you don't want to be like, oh, so-and-so said this about that, like I am about that book. Um, you know, so it, it's a wonderful thing to do, but you need to be open to that. M most books are gonna fail just like startups. And uh, uh, there's no point in writing a book if there's already 10 of them out there on the same subject. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yours was the, the first real UX strategy book. So that's pretty amazing that you gave that framework for something. And I would imagine it must have been very, uh, as you say, just a lot of um, checking stuff out and looking at, at references because you were doing the first real one. So it must have been even more hard than, than other books that, that already have similar books out there. I think it's easier in a sense because instead, because I could basically kind of come up, document my own methodology and the, there wasn't 10 other books. Like let's, if you want to write another book about design thinking or UX writing or uh, digital transformation, there's already so much on that, you know, like what, what is there more to say? Whereas I had this really great subject and a ton of perspective from a roller coaster career that I could put my own narrative in there and, and, and and kind of have fun with it um you know but i had to have uh you know i stopped my consulting for cisco and i had to have a hundred grand in the bank to just even take that first year off and when it rolled into the second year living on credit cards and airbnb being at my house and dragging my son to crap apartments around la to keep myself from having to work you know that wasn't fun that wasn't romantic <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great that you were able to produce that though, even with all the challenges that, that, that were involved.
that's awesome. But for people that want to write, I say start by writing, go to Medium and write some articles and not only write the articles, but then go, you know, get yourself a thousand claps because if an article isn't read, then it's a piece of toilet paper. So, you know, get it out there and, you know, have people wipe their butts with it, which means you need to learn how to develop a social network and, and promote your own articles so that other people read it. And that was, you know, the second half to my book. I'm sure it, it was a solid book, uh, but I also went out on the road and did, and spoke at every conference. This is before they were paying me. Maybe they would pay for my airfare and taught what UX strategy was until it got to the point where I became a paid speaker again. And promoting, uh, it's just like a book is a product. You know, you gotta, the effort promoting it was the same amount as writing it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, getting it out there so that people can see it. Yeah, hugely important. Yeah, amazing. Well, uh, Jamie, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your, your time today. Um, I have just one final question with a uh, statement here about the Academy. So UX Consulting Academy is an online resource for UX consultants. And my last question is for all the UXs out there that want to make UX strategy a part of their process. Let's say they've been in design for a while. They want to get going and start doing UX strategy. Apart from buying your book, which I 100% recommend to anybody that I talk to, for everyone listening that wants to do UX strategy, what actions should they take right now to begin that? Um, first of all, they can buy the, my book, but they should also read the, for the new six chapters that they can get with, for free on O'Reilly for a 30-day trial because the new chapters, the, new, the second edition is way more solid than the first one. Um, and then the whole book will be out in December. Uh, but um, so obviously, aside from that, uh, I think um, they need to start uh, running experiments. You know, they need to start learning how to how to do uh, how to test. And I'm not talking about usability tests. I'm talking about uh, you know whether they're at their work a job and they hit a, a point even in the design phase where they're debating about what the feature set should be of a product or who the customers are they should figure out whether it's from my book or the other books out there that are on how to do customer development or how to do competitive research which no one really touches on but me for some strange reason um it's like not knowing who your competitors are and why they're winning or losing is super important. So I think really knowing how to do competitive research, knowing how to do user research in a structured way, knowing how to rapid prototype and knowing how to make a prototype that shows the value prop and testing it, um, all of these things. And then of course, reading books, um, you know, that are on, that are, that are important basic uh, business books, you know, that, that could be the Clayton Christensen, uh, Alex Osterwald's first business model canvas is a good one to start with. And um, blue ocean strategy, uh, you know, that is interesting. They're going to read a lot. There's a lot of books out there that have different perspectives. And so it's important to understand these different perspectives so they can understand, um, 
that there's not always one way to do things or to think about things and just start learning the vocabulary business. Amazing. Jamie, it was a great pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.